Welcome to Greener Fields with me, your host, Hannah Nash. Here, I'll be chatting with people all around the world about the realities of life in your 20s and 30s, especially regarding what life is like living in Ireland or abroad. The good, the bad, the funny and the ugly, and everything else in between to help you decide whether the grass is always greener on the other side or just greener wherever you water it. Enjoy! Cassie, you are very welcome to Greener Fields. How are you getting on? Oh, I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you here. And, and you are someone who reached out and, and supported Greener Fields before I even got to know you and find you and things like that. And this is kind of how I love to get guests on board. It's the people who are listening, who are engaged in the conversation to have this conversation with me. So thank you so much for joining me on a Tuesday morning um, in October, in a very warm October. I look absolutely Very warm. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this when I came home. Exactly. exactly. I was hoping to wear jumpers year round. <laughs> well, not today. And and you just mentioned this idea that you, you came home and your accent yeah. is not Irish. And I think Sorry. that is going to be a big topic of our conversation as to your story. But for those who don't know you, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, so yeah, I'm Cassie. Um, I'm a digital marketing consultant. So I have my own business, Made in Media. Um, and I started that about four years ago. Um, I started it when I was living in England. Um, and then I brought it uh, over home with me um, when I moved um, when I moved back to Derry. So I was born in Derry. Um, I moved over to England when I was very young. I think I was only about two years old. And I grew up mostly in England, um, but I also spent some time um, in France, which I actually forgot to tell you, um, and also in, in Australia. So um, my accent's pretty mixed. You'll find, again, my mum had, a, or Mally, had a lot of input in my dairyisms growing up as well. So every other word sometimes changes, <laughs> every other every other sentence. Um, so so yeah, I'm, I've kind of been left with this accent, um, but... I came I came home to Derry um, about two and a half years ago now um, and yeah being away for for a very long time so it's um it's been a learning curve and hopefully we're going to be able to to steal all those things that you've learned during this conversation <laughs> or at least learn them alongside you when you describe them because you mentioned they're born in Derry to England a bit of time in France Australia and back to Derry um, a couple of years ago and this podcast is all about things like that, like travel, emigration, yeah. rediscovering yourself in your 20s and 30s, moving new places, making new friends. And you've had to do that a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I really do feel from I think we, we, we moved to France when I was 10. Mm -hmm. um, and I really feel like from 10 to maybe 22, I was living out of a packed suitcase constantly um, because I was moving around. I went to boarding school as well, which didn't help things. And I was boarding weekly and then visiting either my grannies or, or going home to my parents. So I feel like it was a, it was definitely a packed suitcase teenage, teenagehood. <laughs> you it sounds like you've already lived a lot of lives and lived different it feels that way it, it would be it's funny because uh, my my partner and I when we would go to a wedding now 
um, you know, you sit with people you don't know and you have small talk and we'll have all of these different conversations. And I'll say sometimes, oh, yeah, when I was in Australia and oh, when I was living in France or when I was living in boarding school. Uh, and they were just like, we're trying to work out your timelines here because none of this makes sense for your age. <laughs> but it does feel it does feel like I've lived a, a lot of different lives. And those different lives that, you know, you've kind of mentioned, I really want to look at and touch on yeah. because they've m- m- led to you being who you are today. Uh-huh. And I think that's going to be a really interesting person. I'm really excited to get to know. But when it comes to, I guess, is, you know, what I love to ask the guests at the beginning of the conversation is they're kind of early experiences of travel, of em- for your case, emigration, uh-huh. moving out of home for- not on your own but moving from where you were born to a different place multiple Mm -hmm. times and that kind of I guess your kind of thought process on that now looking back in hindsight did you find moving around very easy when you were younger was it something you remember missing your friends or being upset about leaving or was that something that you were okay with because you did so much of it so so early on yeah, I think I was really well conditioned for it. Um, you know, are we I was very lucky as a child. We went on some amazing holidays. I didn't have too much trouble, you know, just, you know, throwing myself at other kids and just making them be my friend um, for two weeks or whatever. Um, but then also, you know, with with my my family all still being in Derry, we would come back quite a lot. Obviously, we would come back for the big Halloween celebrations every year um and all of my family were here so again I think there there was a constant moving around even before we decided to leave for France when when I was 10 um even then you know I I lived in France full-time for for a year um Mm -hmm. and then I came back to England and I boarded whilst my parents still lived there so there was a lot of solo traveling as well between between that when I would come home from for holidays or whatever um, so I think it was just something that was embedded in me quite early and something I always enjoyed. I always, uh, oh, this is going to come out a lot cringier than it's meant to, but I really enjoyed the journeys of where we were going as well. The, the physical traveling, the going to the airport It's quite funny now because I'm actually quite an anxious traveler. Like I must go to the airport three hours before kind of gal, but I think that's more because I think I've told myself it's anxiety, but it's because I actually really enjoy getting there, getting sorted, you know, finding a little quiet corner with my book, my journal, um, window shopping um, around the shops. Um, so I I think it that that element was what I really enjoyed. And um, especially that became more apparent when I was doing these long trips to like Australia um, or New Zealand where my sister lives. <laughs> so um those long like 35 hour door-to-door journeys I just absolutely loved because it's time to yourself that you just no one can bother you and you have no choice but to be comfortable with yourself and and just sit with yourself and enjoy the journey which sounds cringe but it's that's really what I enjoyed about it well we we anyone who's ever listened to any episode (laughs) knows that I absolutely love cringe I am the cringiest <laughs> in the world so you're not alone there and I'm also um the type of traveler who goes here for three hours early so I can sit down and relax because I need to relax <laughs> I don't understand these people who leave like an hour and a half my mom my like, mom she's insane wow. um so not for me <laughs> yeah not for me either and, and I think that's that's really interesting like there's just so much there I think the sense of you know you the sense of I, I get the sense of very 
much that you were very independent um, yeah. as a child, um, that you were you were kind of a get up and go. You you didn't dwell too much on what you maybe were leaving behind, but more maybe slightly focused in the present or forward, which I think is maybe not the easiest thing to do, but something maybe yeah. that just developed because that's what you were like, that's what you were doing. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I got sad every time I left a place, like I would spend so much time being sad. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Obviously there, there are, you know, there are, there are things that you miss. And as, as an adult, as I've, you know, more consciously mm-hmm. chosen to leave places and situations, I think there's a lot more of that. When I was a kid, you know, kids are so resilient. Like they're just like, okay, we're going now. Like, um, whereas you know when you have to make hard decisions like I did when I left England to come home mm-hmm. um that was something that was a real kind of adult way up of yes. of life which was terrifying but you know really really worked out well yeah you just mentioned there this idea of um you know I guess when, you, when we're younger and kids we maybe don't have as much choice and then again, yeah this, these decisions that come with the fact that we are adults and we have more choice and more kind of onus on our lives that is something I, I think is really interesting and, and when mm. it comes to that time in your life so maybe when you left school maybe when you went to uni when you when was that kind of first decision where you made that it was you know of where you were going to be maybe you were in college or 18 19 mm-hmm. 20 mm-hmm. that it was for yourself yeah, I think I sadly I can't say university was that for me because um I ended up having quite a few rough couple of years at the end of my school. Mm-hmm. And I went through, I don't know if they had the same thing in Ireland, but in the UK we have clearing, mm-hmm. which is basically when you don't get the marks that you're hoping for and you have to cold call universities and beg for a space. So pretty humiliating thing for for an 18-year-old to do. Um, but luckily I had um developed contacts in different universities as I was doing my applications and Oxford Brooks University gave me a place on the course that I wanted um so that was incredible um and I went to Oxford Brooks um and ended up spending six years six or seven years in Oxford um but within that I did um about two and a half of those years in Australia um as a part of my so I did a study exchange and work experience in Australia for my degree in Oxford <laughs> so <laughs> again this is where the timelines get a bit tricky yeah. um so I think that again was not really out of choice although I could have gone elsewhere Oxford Brooks was the best university for the course that I was looking at mm-hmm. um but I think when it came to choosing to go to Australia for my study abroad Mm-hmm. um that was definitely the first I think sense of autonomy that I felt in where I wanted to go with my life and that definitely came from my older sister she she's eight years older than me and um my mum has always had this saying as we were growing up she was like you're you're mine until you're 18 and then when you're 18 you get to do whatever you want to do um obviously within reason so when my sister hit 18 she went on a gap year to Australia she got like three tattoos her tongue pierced she went skydiving and bungee jumping and I just thought she was the coolest girl ever for doing it um so uh, this was kind of my version of her I was very much always copying her when I was little um but I did it as a study abroad just a, a little less risky um and I didn't get the tongue piercing or the tattoos but I did manage the skydive um so uh I, I think that was the first time that I, I made the conscious decision of, right, this is something that I want to do with my life and I want to try. 
And then it was actually only meant to be a six month exchange. And then I extended it because um, I obviously met an Australian boy. <laughs> well, not met, it was actually good friends. And in hindsight, probably the reason I went out in the first place. So who knows if it was actually my choice. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, that then extended into, into two years in, in Sydney. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's so the people we are in our families or our friends or our siblings who are a little bit older than us. I think it's so interesting when we think about how we try to mirror them or potentially replicate them in our own way. And and you going to Sydney, though, was through study abroad and it was probably not as um, fun and as wild maybe as your sister's experience. <laughs> but still your version of, you know, making that decision for the first time, because yeah, that Oxford Books wasn't necessarily a decision rather than the best option that you had whereas going to Australia going to Sydney was the first time even though by then you would have traveled so much you would have had to do so many things you were probably super independent as a person that was the first time that you can remember that it was like this is what I want to do with my life yeah just decision and you know I'd love to know about that experience of of studying abroad in Sydney as you know now Australia particularly Sydney is a huge um hot destination for um Irish people going to to live yeah and I think that that in itself is is what Mm. sometimes puts people under so much pressure to make the decision because oh everyone goes to Australia like Mm. everyone has to do their year in Australia or their two years in Australia um and it's a it's a lot of pressure that's put on people if things aren't working great here Mm. someone the first thing someone will say is why don't you go to Australia why don't you go to the literal other side of the world? <laughs> like it's, you know, or why don't you get a tea instead of a coffee? Yeah. Like it's it's a huge, huge undertaking. And I luckily was very supported by the uni because I did it as a part of a study abroad. Um, it was actually cheaper for me to go to Australia and do a year of study there than it was to stay at Oxford Brooks because you get a discount on study abroad because they're not the ones facilitating it. So it's hilarious. But it's 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 a huge undertaking, and I think you know it can it can be it can work if you already know people out there who can maybe show you the ropes. And to be honest, like Sydney is just like another county of of, of Ireland, like especially the Coogee area and around Bondi and stuff. Like a lot of a lot of Irish people are there, um, and yeah but it's it is it's an incredible country there is a reason why people love it there's a reason people stay um it is very far away um which sounds obvious but I don't think people realize once you're there how far away you actually feel um and that if it doesn't work out or if you do need to come home you know what what that takes and so it's it's but it is an incredible experience obviously the weather is amazing um the lifestyle is is incredible you know especially for kids growing up like my sister eventually decided to move to New Zealand for a gap year with her husband and that was I think 13 years ago (laughs) so (laughs) they they say they've got two beautiful Kiwi kids um and so that whole area is it, it is a great place and a great lifestyle um but you know I think what I've realized since coming home and again this is definitely not something I knew when I first got here but you can recreate that kind of lifestyle is you know it's very outdoorsy over there 
obviously the weather helps and that is something that we do not have on our side um but you know like I I've never been outdoors more since being in Ireland um you know and especially being placed in Derry you know we've got Donegal on the doorstep um and my partner lives in Dunfanaghy so I would go down there like every other weekend and you know you've got Aragal, Muckish, not that I've climbed them, but uh, they're, there. <laughs> they're there if you want to. Um, and, but, you know, you've got the beach and, you, and you know, I said to you, I've tried taking up surfing. Um, I, it is a work in progress, but I, I've never been outdoors more since being home. Um, so Australia is great. And I think when you're young, it, it's amazing. It's expensive, but it's, it, it is an experience, but, you know, I think there is a, a lot of pressure for people to escape there before trying to work out if there are other ways that they could reshape their lives here first. It's, I mean, that point is definitely something I know I felt and, and I, I think it's, it's, it's been spoken about so much in this conversation and this podcast, but also with my friends and my family who are in Australia, who are thinking about going and everything else in between. It's this idea that, again like if you're saying you're having a bad day at work or something the next comment is but sure just go to Australia there like what and I know that it's it's seen as a joke or a throwaway comment but there is so much I mean that is what that is that is seen as a legitimate option for Mm -hmm. and I can see why and as you've Mm -hmm. mentioned and I, I think one of the things that you know is such an interesting point regarding emigration and like our generation is that for our parents a lot of people emigrated because it was for work well, yeah now it is for independence it's to move out it's for adventure it's for sunshine it's a different you know again obviously there's like there's a caveat for some people it's yeah. for, but a lot of the time we, we move out to Australia or to, to Canada or to the US because we can't afford to move out to somewhere in our locality and I think that is there does feel like this pressure and even, you know, I haven't been to Australia yet. I, I, my my manifestation is that I bring greener fields over there at some point in due course. But for now, I, I, I'm i like, what's wrong with me that I don't want to go to Sydney? I'm like, mm. should, should I want to go to Melbourne? Like, what, what's that? <laughs> I'm like, and I would be questioning myself being like, why haven't I got this draw to Australia? Like, what am mm. I waiting for? When is that going to happen? Is it ever going to happen? Mm-hmm. And then I have friends who are so certain that it was the place where go and they're so happy and I think what everyone says and like you just mentioned there that this lifestyle and I've spoken to people on this podcast who are there who have come home and I think what we're seeing now in Ireland and I'm so excited by it is that this lifestyle of either people who are coming back from Australia or those kind of like Vancouver where it was a really outdoorsy yeah also people who have stayed are recognizing the benefits of the outside and outdoors and community and connection and it feels like you said, I think it can be done here as well. Like I've said, yeah. my experience would be that I, again, I can't compare because I've never been, but that there is that sea swimming community. There is those activities. There is those t- opportunities to meet people. Now they may not be as, um, as aggressively options as it is can be, you know, on a bond. We just need to wrap up a bit better. <laughs> yeah. like, that, that's really all it is. You know, if I think, even if I think of my lifestyle in, Sydney I wasn't outdoors like my outdoors was going and and sunbathing on a beach um I just got hammered 
<laughs> in Australia. That is essentially, I mean, obviously I was, I was studying, but I was, I was, I was there exploring stuff, but it was just a huge party time of my life. Um, and, you know, I was working out there as well. I got some amazing work experience, but it, you know, it, if I think about that, it was just a really expensive city break. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sydney is incredible because you do get that element of you've got the beaches and you've got the, the, the city lifestyle and everything. And at that time, that's obviously very glamorized, you know, the, you know, getting into one of the big four um banking companies and you know every Friday night the streets are just filled of people of just drinking like very much kind of like the London London lifestyle as well and at the time that was just like glitter to me like I just that's all that I wanted um but my lifestyle was literally just working studying and just drinking as much as I can yeah like in a nutshell, I didn't surf, I didn't hike, I didn't, I wasn't outside at all unless I was putting on, you know, factor 50 and just sitting on a towel all day. Yeah. One, I wasn't going to go into that water for one. <laughs> I wasn't going anywhere near Australian water. And that's um, so true. It's so true. And I think, you know, again, I think it like my mom's favorite saying is that it's it's horses for courses. So for some mm. people, that is glitter to them still. And I think like that this podcast, it's never to say this is good or bad or whatever, but it's yeah. just the experience of different people and what it's actually like. And I think hindsight again teaches us so much. So we can think back now and be like, well, that's exactly what I was doing. But at the time, it was the it was glitter. It was the yeah. dream. And yeah. I think, you know, for, for a few people, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be, um, I think it's 62% of people who listen to this podcast are in Ireland um, and they probably have themselves got, thought about Australia or thinking about Australia yeah. or Sydney. And for those people, can you tell me like one or two of the things that the highlights of Sydney, the highlights of Australia, the bucket list things that maybe you got up to so that they can add to them as well, because I'm sure, I'm sure they're thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, so Australia as a country is incredible. And what I didn't do as much is I didn't actually explore much of the country because it's 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 so vast as well. Um, so you know, I think I spent like one weekend in Melbourne over the two years that I was there. Um, and I think like a day trip to Canberra to watch an Aussie football game. Um, like that was the extent of my travels. Most of the time I was going back and forth to New Zealand to visit my sister. Um, New Zealand is an incredible country as well and very much worth exploring. Um, again, I, I do think just when, when you're younger, like I, I went out when I was, I would have been 19 when I went out and I stayed there till I was like 21. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was, it was just an amazing energy. Um, it was the people are incredible the people are so friendly it's really not hard to make friends in Australia um and again as I said you know I just kind of threw myself at people and said be my friend (laughs) um and it helps that I already had people out there that I knew um so I think yeah mostly the energy the friendliness um and just I think the enthusiasm just to always have a good time I think they don't do like downers very well like it's not there's hardly any sad days 
which in my head I'm like I feel like that's hard to maintain I mean like, <laughs> it is it's exhausting yeah but that's why everyone drinks yeah yeah <laughs> um and it's hilarious now because I don't drink alcohol at all anymore um so it's it's it was a great time of my life um and I do think if you know if you're in a good place um and you're ready to make that decision you're ready to make that plan and you're ready to have an adventure absolutely but it doesn't need to be the end game which I think everyone I think everyone thinks I'm going to go to Australia and all my problems will be fixed yeah I think looking that I think it comes up in every conversation is that you take yourself with you wherever you go and you take your yeah. you take your problems your anxieties the good and the bad it comes with yeah. you um for most people and that is obviously something that I think you you just said that you felt as well and when it comes to that time in Australia and coming back I'm sure to finish your degree what happened next where did you go where was that next big adult decision that you took then to did you stay in England did you go you know yeah so um I came back to finish my degree um and then I met my husband um very shortly afterwards um and hey my name is Hannah and I am the host of Greener Fields if you're enjoying this conversation, make sure to leave us a rating, share it with your friends and follow us on Instagram to keep up to date with all things Greener Fields. Kind of a long story, but there was there was this pub that I worked at in my first year of uni called The Half Moon. Um, and it was a, it was an Irish pub in, in Oxford. And obviously... It was the first place that I went because it wasn't like an O'Neill's, which is like a like a chain Irish pub. It was it as authentic as an Irish pub could be in England. It, it really I walked through the doors when I was 18 and I just instantly felt at home um, and it was incredible. Um, I mean, it was an absolute dive of a bar, <laughs> but it was it was my dive. <laughs> so I worked there when I was 18 Um, I came back. Um, in my final year and I started managing it with the new owner um, who then ended up being my well now ex-husband um, so we worked together um, very closely on this pub and in, in, in managing it and I got more and more involved then the second pub came up for grabs and because we had transformed the the first one we were able to um to get the second pub as well so I'm 22 23 I think no I'm 20 I'm 22 um I've finished my degree um I started a full-time role um in communications but alongside that I was supporting these two pubs um so and you know very jokingly although I wasn't officially bought in being called the landlady at 22 so it was that was an experience um I decided to stay in Oxford I was obviously before I met him I was going to go to London to do the whole literary tech thing um and then decided to stay in Oxford um to be with him and to and to work on these businesses and yeah so I was and I then stayed on I think don't know how long it would be at this point this is where the timelines get very fuzzy 
about four or five years, I think, or maybe no, six years, six years. I stayed in Oxford. And within that time, obviously we had the pubs. Um, I launched uh, my own blog as well um, and started my business within social media, um, which has now obviously moved into full-on digital marketing, <clears throat> um, got married, um, and yeah, just was, again, living just Oxford life. But Oxford very much was more of my home than anywhere else other than Derry. Derry's always been my constant because I've always come back and forth. I know my roots here. I can go up to the cemetery and go like five generations back and they're all still there. Um, Derry's always been my number one, but Oxford was the closest place I had to feeling at home somewhere. Um, and it's very much because it was a home I crafted myself. Um, I very, I invested heavily in, in my friendships in my first year that I was there and I had an amazing group of people around me. Um, and then it's always weird when you go away and you come back, even between Oxford to Australia and then back to Oxford, because a lot of those people had moved on. People had made major life decisions. I kind of had to start from scratch again, but again, being in, in hospitality and in the pubs, it was very easy to, to make friends. So um, it was, yeah, it was great um yeah so you went from, from student life to to pretty much working three jobs or or like the most kind of I, I feel like that's a really big change like the yeah. change to go from Sydney life um where you're just like you said putting on factor 50 not swimming by the beach yeah home finishing your degree and yeah like working this job in communications, the two pubs, getting married in the space of six years. That sounds like a lot. <laughs> I feel like I, I, the time I was in Australia and my final year of uni, so eight, I feel like my 20s were my 18 to 21. And then from 22, I just turned 30. <laughs> like that's, that's, I feel like I skipped a, a lot of, a lot of my 20s very early. Um, but again, because things were unfolding, that we're told, especially as young women, that is everything that you should be going for and should, you should be getting by the time, you know, we all have this list. By the time I'm 25, I'm going to have my dream job. I'm going to be married. I'm going to have three kids and like, da, 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 da. like events were unfolding that showed me that all of those things were going to happen. And at the time, it, I felt very lucky and I felt, um, like it was the best thing for me turns out it wasn't and I eventually made the decision um that the situation I was in was not at all aligned with my values or what I wanted for myself and how I wanted to look after myself and the life that I wanted um and so then I made the very difficult decision to leave my marriage and leave Oxford and to basically run home to mummy. <laughs> and when you told me that first I was like this girl like this that is so interesting to me because well firstly you mentioned this idea of the expectations versus reality or versus yeah. our beliefs um and like this is the thing where I think you know everyone who I've ever spoken to it's like you know we have these expectations which can be all well and good if they're aligned to our values so if that's yeah. security stability etc 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 is a value of yours well then that kind of traditional 
traditional inverted commas what does that even mean anymore I don't know you know what I mean that kind of like this idea that you were you know married and it was going to be kids by xyz business success yeah Um, I had every every tick box of success ticked at 25 and I was depressed yeah yeah and I think because you know it it, the, the 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 way that your life had panned out was was not true to your values which yeah so I guess you probably figured out during this time and made that really difficult decision to to leave your marriage and to come home and I think you know we talk a lot about decision making on this podcast because I think indecision is um is it causes us a lot of stress and pain and discomfort and worry because we're always afraid I think that we're always going to make the wrong decision so we end up making none um Mm -hmm. and that I think is we're so afraid to live with the repercussions of you know and and anyway what happens is that we just we just can't make it or we stay still or we put it off to let someone else make the decision for us because it's we're just so I guess we're oversaturated with every everyone else's other decisions (laughs) and we're also being told what decisions we should make yeah external factors since we were born so this idea that we're gonna make one bad decision we end up making none and for you this could have been and might have been one of the biggest decisions you had to make in your life um, to leave Oxford behind, leave your friends there behind, the businesses, the marriage, and come back to your mom and dairy. How did you go about making that decision? So it's 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 quite a tough one. And you know, out, out of respect for the marriage that we did have, I do try not to talk too deeply about the breakdown itself. Um it, but it got to the point where we were seriously discussing children. Mm-hmm. And um, again, I was thinking quite deeply about children. So it's slightly more difficult for me. I naturally can't have children myself. Um, it was a condition that I was born with. Um, and bless my amazing sister had offered to be a surrogate. So it was um, in the works. And Again, I had been, um, for a couple of months, I'd been working with a life coach, which sounds um, which sounds funny, but it was a, a colleague of mine who was retraining to become a life coach and an executive coach. And she's incredible. And if there was one woman I was going to put in charge of my life, it would be her. Um, but as a part of her training, she needed a guinea pig. Um, and at this point, I was going through a lot of changes. And she said, Cassie, would you mind? being my guinea pig whilst I do my training and we were like yeah so it was a journey for the two of us together and so we've been meeting up um quite a bit and she asked me to um like visualize my perfect life and you know not perfect you know there's obviously no such thing but you know the activities that I want to do the hobbies that I want to pick up how I want my business to look how I want my health to be like every single aspect of my life to think about what I wanted from it Um, And I did this and I had painted the most beautiful life. Um, And I created a vision board with a load of Pinterest photos and it looked incredible. And the reality is these, this get put me in a lot of reflection of, okay, well, where am I now? And how do I get here? And I just realized in the situation that I was in um, and especially with the added pressure of now thinking about children and bringing children into a world, into the situation, 
I just couldn't do it because it wasn't it wasn't in any way aligned with who I wanted to be um, and what I wanted my life to be like before kids, let alone with kids. And I just thought, you know, it, the situation just wasn't wasn't what I wasn't going to align with where I needed to be. Um, and I don't I don't think it ever could have. Um, so that was the the final decision making. But thank, firstly, um, thank you for sharing that. I think these things are never easy to hear or to say or to experience. But I think, you know, you know yourself from 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 the blog and from creating content and from just growing as a person that shared experience. Yeah, is what this podcast is all about. It's it's talking about things that we don't talk about or we keep close to just our close friends and things like that. Putting it on a mantelpiece and being like this is not, this is just my reality. Yeah. Um, this is reality. And I think that is just really special. So thank you for, for sharing that. No, no it's, it, it is something that I think it is very important to be spoken about more is again, like this pressure of, oh, just go to Australia and all your problems will be fixed. Oh, just, you know, when you meet someone, all your problems will be fixed. When you get engaged, all your problems will be fixed. When you get married, oh, don't worry. Like marriage is always hard. Like once you have a kid, it will get easier. How ridiculous is that? <laughs> oh no, two kids are better than one because then they just play with each other. <laughs> like, these ridiculous assumptions that we have embedded in our society. And especially as women, I think we put a lot of pressure under ourselves to tick those boxes. And, you know, it, it, it is so funny because since I've come home, I've done a lot of deep reflection on my choice to have children in general. And I've decided, obviously, you know, a lot of this choice again is taken out of my hands that I can't have children. Um, however, you know, I've also decided not to pursue it in other avenues, because again, looking at the lifestyle that I want, looking at the business that I want and how I want to look after myself, I still need to parent myself a lot more before I even think about looking after another human being. I'm still not in a position to get a dog and like I'm dying to get a puppy, but I still know that I need to look after myself first. And I, and obviously there's always scope to change mine down the line and um, a lot of my people um, who I've spoken to about this have said, you know, you can always change your mind. You can always change your mind, which is always a line. Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's something that I'm at peace with that um, I don't necessarily need in my life. And I it's 10 times harder for me to pursue it. So why not put that energy into doing something else good for the world? And then, you know, with that as well, I'm obviously I've, I've met someone um he is the most wonderful man in the world. Um, and, but neither of us, like I'm definitely not fussed about getting married again. He's never particularly been fussed, fussed about marriage. So we have a relationship that is completely outside the scope of the stepping stones. Mm-hmm. We're not having kids and we're not getting married. Like, and so what do we do? Like, how do we measure our success as a couple? We just have a great time and we just hang out constantly (laughs) like until we don't want to anymore which I definitely don't think will happen like it's just it's so nice you take that pressure out of a relationship and you're not looking for the next thing to add value to it you just find value in it in the everyday stuff that that is such a refreshing take on it like I'm almost like I've got goosebumps listening (laughs) like 
it's just so refreshing it's so refreshing to hear that and I guess a lot of this self-reflection awareness and growth came from that move home to Derry yeah and you know you mentioned that you were born there you had spent a lot of time you that that Derry had always been has always been home to you but I'm sure it doesn't sound like you spent that much actual time until the last two and a half years and I want to hear about that move home to your to your mom yeah. I want to hear about dairy I want to hear about your life there and and convince us all be the tourist for dairy the tourist for dairy <laughs> um like dairy girls haven't done that enough exactly um no it it, it is incredible I mean dairy in, in general you know Ireland in general the Irish it's just I just so associate it with kind of peace and grounding and serenity you know when covid was going on obviously the benefits of dairy still being in northern ireland is that it counted as a domestic flight because it was within the uk so when covid was happening and only domestic flights were allowed i was able um to come back and forth to dairy about two or three times across covid and covid was a very difficult time for me um it was very difficult um in my living situation and so coming home to to mame and and to dairy was just you know a complete breath of fresh air and I completely fell back in love with the country obviously because of covid we spent a lot more time outside and we were just going for a, a random beach walk on a Tuesday morning like it's it baffles me how long I lived my life not being within 10 minutes of a beach (laughs) I just don't know how looking at my life now how I functioned without that um and it was just it it was just an incredible place the beauty of Donegal on our doorstep and just the dairy people are just the warmest and most welcoming people in the world um and yeah so when I knew I had to leave I knew there was only one place that I was going to go and it was um, running home to mommy today, um, which is the kind of tagline of this whole move. Um, and yeah, I, I when I came, I literally had a handbag and a passport. I didn't know how long I was going to be here. I didn't even pack a toothbrush or a pair of pants. Um, and it just, the first thing that she did was bring me down to, we have a caravan in Dunfanaghy. Um, which is then how I ended up meeting um, meeting my partner. And um, she just took me down there for the summer. And I literally just spent the summer in this caravan by the sea, trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. Um, and at that point, I could literally do anything. Um, and it was that decision of, you know, should I go back to Oxford and continue my life there? Should I move out to New Zealand to be with my sister? Should I, I couldn't go to Australia because I ran out of visas. <laughs> but, um you know I could literally do anything I was going to move to Belfast baby and to get that kind of city feel um and I just I yeah I I I was just I I, I was again one of those positions where I could literally go and do anything that I wanted and after so many years of not really having much of a say in doing what I wanted it was an overwhelming decision um so I sat on it and I stayed and I lived with my parents um in Derry first time we'd lived together since I was 13 um and so we lasted six months I think we we all did very well (laughs) 
And, um, but I, I had spent six months in dairy. I, you know, I still say that I found my coffee shop and then the decision was made. <laughs> I don't know if you see much on my Instagram, but I am constantly, there's this coffee shop called Hangten Brew Bar. Massive shout out to them. And dairy is the best coffee in town. Um, and it's, it, it was just, I found it and I met people. And again, I just kind of forced them all to be friends with me. And now it is a daily part of, of, of my life. You know, I should technically be paying rent at this rate. Um, but I go in and I've made all my friends through this coffee shop. And I was just like, well, if I'm thinking of somewhere where I want to live, what are the, you know, best things that I need? What are the kind of non-negotiables? I need a good coffee shop. I need a good hairdresser. I need a person I can trust with the wax. Yeah. And I need a beach nearby. So like you know I I found my hairdresser I found my wax person and I've got Donny Gould on the doorstep and there's always this thing as well this kind of internal conflict of when I'm down in Dunfanaghy I'm like oh you know I could live here full-time and just be a coastal girly but then I go up to Belfast every so often and I'm like oh no I love Belfast like I really want to move back to a city so dairy's perfect because it's an hour and a half each way <laughs> Well, I, I think, well, you've, you've sold, you've sold dairy to me. You've sold this coffee shop to me. I think everyone else will be booking those, those buses or trains because I think there's something it's, it's so, I don't know, I get such e-pro love vibes from this story and this sense of that you, you were, it was, you were in a really tough situation before. And then this idea of your mom taking you to the, the, the caravan home in, in Dunfanny. And I just think like that is such like how special was that time to to have that fresh air and nature and support of your family yeah um, that you know you would have had from a distance but now it yeah. was you know like you said in your home like you live yeah with- it's mental I mean I, I I have since moved out and I and I've got my own place now um still in Derry but the novelty that my mommy can just come around for a cup of tea is just mental because we went years of all of us my sister included being on different continents let alone like, um, you know, like different, like being in the same town. So it's it's mental. But no, that that summer in Dunfanaghy was incredible. You know, with the beach, um, the, the the forest walks and everything. And I I did meet um my partner down there. We met paddleboarding. We were both out on the water. Um, and that I'm was pretty cute. <laughs> yeah, pretty cute, must say. Quite happy with that story. Um, that's the best story I think I've heard. I mean, granted, it was three weeks within um me coming home and within me leaving my marriage. So um, it was quite funny because you know, and and he knew. Like I, I was so upfront with him, and I said, "Look, I don't want to ever speak to a man again." Um, so this isn't happening. <laughs> um, and I was quite mean at first. I wasn't mean, but I was just, very, I was very, my walls were very high. Um, and it was one of those things, you know, when you like someone at the beginning of speaking to someone and you're trying to put your best self forward, you know, you, you do your hair nice, you, you, you make sure you're always looking lovely and you're putting your best self forward. This man saw the absolute worst version of me. Like I was crying most days. I didn't care what I looked like. I, you know, talk about, oh, don't talk about your ex to your new man. He knew everything about my marriage. Like he knows everything about all the trauma I've ever had. Like 
literally dumped about 15 years worth of shite on this man. Um, and for some reason, he stuck about. And we were just really, really good friends. And he was just an amazing listener for ages. Um, and then um, I got quite sick a couple of months in. And I needed to have an emergency operation. Um, and I think my parents were away. And um, he nursed me. And I then had no choice but to fall in love with him. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think it was but I put up a good fight. <laughs> you tried you held on for as long as you could but he he does sound absolutely amazing and I think you know again we spoke a little bit about those expectations those tick box exercise and even those things where like you said you put your best foot forward and you, you all these things it's almost like I, I think this might be a lesson I don't know maybe I'm taking it as a lesson but if you if you if you just like be really authentic in your decision making yeah your values and who you are like those right people will paddle board up to yeah. the ocean <laughs> literally will drift into your life <laughs> will drift into your life and I think you know this sense of, of of coming of coming home and you know making a big decision I think I wrote it down here is this idea of I guess yeah making hard decisions and trying to reinvent yourself or figure out who you are in your 20s and 30s can be be very difficult because I think we try to be something when we're a lot younger and we try to continue this and we try to fit in and and, and we just want that validation I think that's human nature but when you have to reinvent yourself or figure yeah. out and like it's like you know you like I've said at the beginning of this conversation you've lived a lot of different lives this idea of I guess trying to figure yourself out during this time figuring out who you are in dairy trying to figure out your business your, your yeah figuring it all out have you figured out is this something that never ends I don't know I think just trial and error to be honest like I've I um you know when I I tried bringing the business over the first time when I first got here and like I didn't tell anyone that I'd left Oxford um and just kept doing everything remotely because it was the tail end of COVID where you could get away with that so I didn't tell any of my clients that I was in Ireland um but then that started to fizzle out the work and as I said I got quite sick um and so you know I write I was like right you know what? I'm gonna close the business like I don't have the energy to reinvent this and then to tie me over I went and worked as a PA for a couple of months um just to get some cash in and you know just to get a bit of stability and then I remembered that I don't like working for other people um so then I but I did manage to get a couple of paychecks that allowed me to get a mortgage to buy my house um because it's a lot harder to buy a house when you're self-employed than when you're when you're employed um and if I can say one thing about dairy um property prices are still pretty great here everyone um so I never thought that I would be able to ever afford to buy a house um but I was able to buy my house and I decided <laughs> the week that I got the keys to quit my job and to restart my business um, with three months emergency funds. Um, so I had three months to make it work and I have been doing the business since and the lights are still on, the mortgage is still here. It's um, It's worked out well. But I think, so even those things, like there's been so many renditions of the business even since I've been here but for myself you know it is just again coming back to my values and thinking what's important coming back to that vision board that I made when I was in Oxford I've actually reinvented that like I've, I've done another one um 
since and it's quite expensive um but all of these things that I want to do like I you know obviously I started surfing which is ridiculous to think about if you asked me three years ago if I would ever be on top of a surfboard like it's it's mental that I now spend my weekends in Dunfanaghy surfing with my boyfriend um and so you know I'm trying surfing like I'm trying to get back into music and you know I'm trying to embrace more yoga and like I'm trying to just do all of these different things that but I think the fundamental thing that I'm searching for now in life and again we're coming back to a bit of cringe but there's two more most important things to me and if things aren't if these things aren't coming to me through something then it's not worth doing joy and peace mm-hmm. so like peace of mind like if you're interrupting my peace you can get to fuck yeah. I'm sorry I don't know if we can swear on this of course um, you <laughs> <laughs> you're interrupting my peace you can get to fuck and then just I'm just trying to find as much joy in my everyday little life as I can and that's not hard to do in Derry with the people here um it's you know I've got my family here every week I um have a night with my granny we have we call it a stitch and bitch so she taught me how to knit when I was a kid and I haven't touched knitting since and so every week now we would sit down and just have a bitch about our weeks and just knit together we're making a patch blanket um so like stuff like that, like I would just not be able to do if I wasn't home. And just again, like the novelty of my mommy being able to come around for tea um, is incredible. And yeah, it's just finding good people and finding things that you enjoy doing alone as well. Because I had hardly spent any time on my own ever. Um, and so when I moved out and came into my own space, that was something I had to get really comfortable with. And it was a big struggle at first. Um, now I still would spend a lot of time alone, but I'm less lonely. Yeah. And that, I think there's such a big difference between those things. Like yeah. surrounded by people and still feel very lonely, yeah. be physically alone and be completely okay with that. And I definitely know what it's like to experience both sides of that. I think we all do. We yeah. know when we feel peace and joy. We know that. And I think when it comes to this sense of joy, it keeps coming up in these conversations that, you know, I think fun is almost engineered out of our lives as adults yeah. we're, we're, because it's, it's all serious and it's hustle and bustle. And I, of course there is legitimate things that need serious moments and stuff like that. But I personally am on that same kind of journey for want of a better word to, to re-engineer joy and fun and adventure back into daily life, because I get so much from that. I get yeah. so laughing till it hurts like from being weird and joking and unexpected interactions because I think that when we go back to what it's like to be a child and you see kids in the park and things like that it's like that sense of fun and that lack of fear is in them yeah we can get that back I think it takes effort I think it takes planning which again probably puts the serious adult back into it but there's a balance and you know you've seen that from so many aspects and avenues and this conversation it's what what I keep getting from it is that you you dairy was always home for you you went away for so many different years in so many different places and so many Irish people I'm sure you can see from around you from your family and friends your sister is a prime example of people who emigrate and, and 
they don't come home or they, or they 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 look for something else and sometimes they find it elsewhere sometimes they come home but this idea for you is that you actually you came back and you ca- and you came back and you had like this reverse emigration where yeah like you left when you were much younger and you found your way back home and this sense of of what it even means to, to be home for some people it's a feeling for some people it's four walls it's people after everything you've been through after everything you've experienced to where you are today where is home to you or what is home to you I think home home is dairy I would say um I think but home is also I think again being comfortable with myself where I am um as I said dairy was always a constant even now like it's not perfect like there's still quite an undercurrent of um, trauma for the city from the troubles. Um, And there's still a little bit of extra energy needed um, to navigate some of the underlying political considerations. Um, But it's still just an an incredible place for, for the people, for everything that they've gone through. There's a really strong resilience here. And again, a natural a natural space for people to find joy here and to, you know, um, despite everything coming up stronger and 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 finding the good and and the warmth and, and the joy in each other. Um, like I cannot tell you, and I shouldn't say this on a podcast, but how many times I've left my front keys in my door. Like, <laughs> and it you wouldn't, you know, people maybe seeing the news about dairy wouldn't really necessarily consider it safe. But, you know, I would say a good 10 times and my neighbors just take the keys out of my front door and just put them back through my letterbox. Like, <laughs> it's such a small thing. Granted, there there are times like I, you know, dairy, dairy is still um, geographically quite segregated. There are still areas um, for, for both sides where, where you live and where you don't live. There are pockets within, but um, I would live in quite a nationalist area. Um, and I remember getting uh, getting a fridge delivered um, and the guy who delivered my fridge was English um, and he heard my accent and he said, God, you're brave living in this neighborhood with that accent. And it's just like, stuff like that can sometimes make you think twice. Um, you know, I, again, I'm quite an enigma because I would come from an Irish Catholic family with an English accent um so no one likes me (laughs) but um it's uh and you know sometimes stuff really does hit home like last year three houses up from me in my terrace house was petrol bombed um and about three weeks ago my whole neighborhood was evacuated because they found um they found a bomb in like two streets away so like these things come to light sometimes um and it does sometimes make you think twice of like oh am I safe here is this where I should be living um you know is is this just too complicated but it is literally 0.5 percent of the time and the rest of the time no one here wants that kind of stuff happening anymore um no one here cares none of my neighbors care if I have an English accent, they care if, you know, they have to keep putting my keys in my letterbox, but they can forgive me that. Um, like it, it, it is, it is interesting. Um, still, 
one seeing seeing that political stance, but also seeing, I think, the collective generational trauma of the city. But again, I think that just makes me feel so much more at home because it is that there, there is a strength in the city that I think I have not seen anywhere else and a collective spirit of looking after each other and then finding that joy. And that's everything that I needed. Um, and so I couldn't think of a better place to call home. What a beautiful description of not just a place, but it's people as well. And that yeah. collective resilience, collective strength. And I think, you know, Derry is such a, a you know, you, you mentioned yourself as an enigma, but it's like Derry. And again, it's, it's one of those places where I think people's experiences, like your experience there is, is so, there's so much value in that story being told because yeah. we, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it's like. I don't know what it's like. I live in Dublin. I don't know. I'm a big fan of Jerry Girls. I, you know, like as everyone is, he goes to see that mural in the wall. And I think when we hear experiences, real life experiences, the best part of, you know, the best part of each other I think that is really important. I think it's really yeah. important. I think it's important for, for Jerry. I think it's important for you, the people living there, and all of us to hear people's stories and people's realities and the best parts of what makes it a beautiful place to call home and not just the physical um, beauty, but the people as well. And yeah. I love asking my guests for advice, basically for myself, so I can sort my life out as you probably... <laughs> As, as we probably all picked up by the whatever this episode is number 35 or six or seven I think you have experienced so much I know you have experienced so much you've been so generous with sharing so much of what you've experienced over your lifetime with us when it comes to the wider conversation of travel immigration coming home but like I always say it's those are the kind of iceberg tip of the conversation but what yeah. I'd love to know more about is the person behind all those decisions and those life experiences and I'd love to know is there any bit of advice that you could have done with or could have used a couple of years ago that you now know I think um I th and you know we we have we've talked about this it, it's so blatant to me now um and I really hope more people hear this and and really take it on board um, but really the two things is the first of all is to just you know stick to your values and don't lose sight of them and always keep in touch with what's important to you and then reflecting on the world around you to see if it's in alignment um, because if it's not and something doesn't sit right then it's not meant to be for you and then the second one is and kind of in touch with this is just to ignore the societal expectations between you know oh I should move to Australia because everyone's moving to Australia I mean if you want to move to Australia move to Australia it is a beautiful place I feel like I've been quite anti-Australia I, I had an amazing time there um but again just don't feel forced to if you feel like you have to do something then there's something that you can change that's within your control first so maybe reflect on that first and make decisions based on what you want to do rather than what you feel like you have to um and again just in terms of the life milestones and just dance around them do do your own checklist don't worry about what anyone else thinks and you know if people have opinions on that then that's something more about themselves than about you 
this podcast is called greener fields and this idea behind the podcast is whether the grass is greener where we water it um or on the other side and after everything you've learned you've experienced everywhere you've been where is where are the greener fields for you oh where you water it where you, where water. you bloody water it and just water it well and enjoy it for those who have listened to this episode, who've connected with you, who feel like they need to send you a message to, to follow and support you with your business, to see the content about the beautiful beaches in Donegal, the life and dairy, the coffee shop that you probably should be sponsored by. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Where can we find you? Where can we find you? Where can we reach out to you? So I'm on Instagram. It's CassieJane.underscore. Um, so that's my personal account. If anyone needs any digital marketing advice, you can find me at Made in Media. So it's M-A-I-D in Media. So Made is in Maiden. Cassie, it has been an absolute joy. I have still goosebumps in, <laughs> all around me because I'm just like, that was just such a special conversation. I'm so grateful that you reached out. I'm so grateful that you've enjoyed other conversations with Greener Fields. And I'm so glad that you you've had this opportunity to to share right. your thank on you. it because it is such a special conversation this has been amazing and yeah thank you so much for sharing your story thank you thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of greener fields to get involved follow us on instagram at greener fields and let us know who you'd like us to talk to next thank you so much again and i'll chat to you really soon